Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And on today's episode, we're going to ask the question, can you have a 100% stock portfolio in retirement? Not can you, of course, you always can have it, but is it advisable? Should you have a 100% stock portfolio in retirement is maybe a better way of asking it. So let's get started. And to get started, let's take a big step back. When you are investing, there's, of course, a whole bunch of different things you can invest in, thousands and thousands of different options. But from a high level, there's two main components to most people's portfolios, and that's stocks and that's bonds. So those are the two primary asset classes, aka the types of assets, the types of things you can invest your money into. And the question or the conventional wisdom says that you should own more stocks in your working years as you have maybe several years to go until you retire and fewer stocks in retirement, maybe more bonds in retirement. And so this is a question that we're going to answer today. And it's a timeless question, meaning many of the principles that we discussed, they'll always be relevant. There's also unique circumstances that we now find ourselves in as investors that impact this too. And that is just the current state of interest rates. When you look at stocks, when we look at bonds, stocks, you are owning a company. You're owning a company. And as that company grows or falls, you participate in that growth or in that downturn based on whatever the company does. With a bond, however, you're not participating in the growth of a company or the growth of a government. What bond is, is you're lending money to that company or to a government. And the money that you can expect to return in most part is due to the interest rate that you can get on that bond. So the interest rate is, is the main driver of the return on bonds. And we're in a unique scenario or a unique situation where bond interest rates in many cases are, are next to zero. So when I say that this is a timeless question, this will always be something that there's key principles that we'll want to work through that will always be relevant. But there's the additional question today of, well, with interest rates being so low, how might that impact this decision? So there's a second reason I want to talk about this too, is I mentioned that conventional wisdom says that you want to own more stocks in your working years when your primary focus is on growth and then more bonds in your retirement years where you want to maybe increasingly start to focus on income and or preservation of your portfolio. And in many cases, that's certainly true. In many cases, that can be good. But part of this discussion is also to reframe the way we think about conventional wisdom. And conventional wisdom can be helpful, but we can find ourselves falling in the trap of just taking whatever we hear on the news or from friends or just something that's ingrained into the way we think about money and accepting it at truth at face value. So let's examine this to see when might it make sense to have a 100% stock portfolio in retirement, if ever. You know, let's just explore the topic versus when might it not make sense to do so. And the first thing that I even want to mention about this is a big disclaimer saying that your unique situation, everyone's unique situation is going to be very different. So how much you should have in stocks, how much you should have in bonds, how much you should have in different types of asset classes is totally going to be dependent upon your unique situation. So as we talk about this, just a big disclaimer, nothing in this conversation is meant to be recommendations or advice. This is just designed to explore the subject from many different points of view. So let's jump right in. In general, when it comes to designing portfolios for people who are approaching retirement, there's probably three main reasons I'll see, or three core reasons that you you typically want to see owning bonds in your portfolio. And those reasons are number one, to decrease risk. Number two, to provide diversified income or different diversified place to take income from in your portfolio. And then three, to alleviate the stress of stock investing. So let's explore those. Number one, to decrease risk. 
So this, of course, is the conventional wisdom is you don't want to be as risky in your portfolio when you're in retirement because you can't you're no longer working. You're dependent upon your portfolio. You cannot take a lot of risk in your investments. And so what bonds do is they decrease a certain type of risk. And risk, there's not one single way of defining what it is or what it isn't. But what most people think of when they think of risk is volatility. And what volatility is, is the ups and downs in your portfolio. The more the ups and downs that you have, the higher the volatility, the lesser the ups and downs, the lower the volatility. And in investing, there's a big word called standard deviation, which is just a complicated way of saying how much does this portfolio, how much do these returns deviate or differ from what we might expect the average return to be over time. So of course, when you're retired, the more and more you can get closer to a consistent return. You know, if you could get exactly six, 7% each year in retirement, most people would take that hands down. That would be a portfolio with very, very low volatility. Well, that's not reality, unfortunately. There's no one portfolio that's going to give you exactly 6% or exactly 7% year over year over year. There's going to be some risk in that and risk just being the uncertainty or the variability of the returns that you can expect to get. So what do bonds do? Well, they don't eliminate that uncertainty. They don't get rid of any volatility. They just lessen it. For example, if you have a 100% stock portfolio right now, then over the next 12 months, you could potentially expect returns that are as good as up 50% or returns as bad as down 50%. Meaning there's a lot of variability in the expected returns that you could potentially get over the next 12 months. You could be as high as 50, as low as negative 50, or anywhere in between. That, That is not something that you can predict with any level of certainty. Well, let's say now all of a sudden you have a portfolio that's half bonds, half stocks, for example. And these numbers are just are just made up. But let's assume now all of a sudden, instead of potentially being anywhere between negative 50% to positive 50% in your expected return, maybe now on the downside expectation, you might have a downside or a worst expected return of negative 20% in a best case scenario of plus 30%. Again, just made up numbers. But what you start to see is your expected return starts to narrow. There's not as much variability in those returns that you can expect year to year, which from a retirement planning standpoint is significant. That's what you want. You want to know what you can expect because that's your income that you're now living on. So from a risk perspective, what you might call standard deviation or variability of returns or or volatility, bonds do help with that. Bonds help to decrease the risk by increasing the stability and increasing what you can expect year in and year out from your portfolio. So that is one reason and a very valid reason that you would own bonds in your portfolio in retirement. Number two, I mentioned that the second reason I see people give and not see people give, I give many cases, a lot of people would give, a lot of experts would give is it provides diversified income. So let's say that you have stocks and bonds in your portfolio. Well, what you're doing is you're increasing the types of investments that you have. And those investments are designed to perform differently from one another. If you have a whole bunch of different investments in your portfolio, but they all go down, up and down at the same exact time in the same exact amounts, you're really not diversified. You know, if you have a handful of investments and they're all up the same in one year and they're all down the same the next year, that's missing the point of diversification. By having stocks and bonds and even different types of stocks and different types of bonds, well, what you're doing is you're owning different types of investments that tend to perform differently in different market cycles, based upon different current events, based upon different things happening in the stock market or the economic environment that we're in. And what you get is you might have some investments that are down in a year. You might have other investments that are up in a year. And bonds and stocks typically don't work step in step with each other. They tend to perform differently from one another in many cases. So what does that do? Well, it means, okay, well, maybe stocks are down over the next 12%, for example. 
Well, what if bonds are up during that time period? Well, if I'm taking income from my portfolio because I'm a retiree, or if I'm advising a retiree and they're looking to take income from their portfolio, well, in that scenario, I'd probably say, don't touch the money that's in stocks. Give that time to recover. Let's take income this year from the bond portion of your portfolio. Or vice versa. Maybe bonds are down over the next 12 months and stocks are up instead. Well, in that case, let's take money from the stock portion of your portfolio and then the bond portion keep riding. And so what it does is it diversifies the type, the different places that you can potentially take income from so that you lessen the chance of you that you'd be forced to take income from whatever investment is down. Again, you want to avoid a scenario where you have to liquidate a good investment when it's down because then you lock in that loss. You don't give it the time to recover. So what bonds do is they give you other options they give you alternatives of where you can take income from. So you're not dependent upon one type of asset class, you know, stocks, for example, to be up, you can have a mix of different asset classes where you can pull your income from in retirement when you need that money to live on. So that's number two, or the second reason that is often given for why it makes sense to own bonds in a portfolio. And then number three is it alleviates the stress of stock investing. Investing in stocks is one of the easiest and best ways to generate tremendous long-term wealth over time. You invest in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, and history has shown us time and time and time again that that money, well-diversified, is going to grow for you without any real effort on your part. You know, you're investing in companies, but you're not having to attend meetings. You're not having to manage people. You're not having to make big decisions in terms of the direction of those companies. You simply invest in it. The price that you pay has nothing to do with the time you have to invest in those companies. It really has to do with your ability to withstand the ups and downs of stock investing. And now when you're working and your income is probably fully derived from your salary or a spouse's salary, you the ups and downs of stock investing maybe don't impact you that much. You might not even notice them that much if you don't check your 401k or your IRAs, your different investment accounts. But when you're retired, all of a sudden, you are living on your investments, and the ups and downs in the stock market are much more front and center in terms of where your focus is. So in your working years, you might see a 20, 30, 40% downturn in your stock portfolio and say, you know what, that's not fun, but it's okay. I'm still working. This is time to recover. But if you're in retirement and you see a 20, 30, 40% decline in your, in your stock portfolio, that might be a different story. And now in retirement, the big thing is how do you generate financial security? How do you generate financial peace? How do you have that peace of mind so that you can live comfortably and not have to worry about outliving your money and also just not having to worry about money in general? And this third thing, one of the things that bonds does or bonds do is it helps to alleviate the stress of stock investing. When you're owning bonds, you're not having that wild range of potential outcomes year to year that you do have when you only invest in stocks. Now, we see stock markets routinely fall 20, 30, 40%, even more. Now they recover. They've always recovered and they continue their upward trend and upward momentum. But in those downturns, that can be a stressful place to be as a retiree if that's where you are now generating your income and that's the source of your livelihood for the rest of your life. So the third benefit of bonds, the third main benefit is it helps to alleviate some of that. And even if it means giving up some of the returns that you would have gotten from stock investing, many people would take that trade off saying, you know what, if I have a couple million dollars in my retirement portfolio, I just don't even want to run the risk that might be down to 1.2, 1.1, $1 million even, even if I know that it's going to come back and then it will come back over time. If I, if I just wait it out, that's just too stressful for me. I'd prefer not to even experience that. Well, that's where bonds come into play. You are willingly giving up some of the upside potential. You're willingly giving up some of the return that you could expect from your portfolio 
in exchange for a higher floor, in exchange for saying, okay, I know that part of my portfolio is going to provide a lot more stability, which is going to reduce how much my entire portfolio could potentially go down by. So all three of these are very valid reasons. Number one, owning bonds helps to decrease the risk of your portfolio. It helps to provide diversified income, and it helps to alleviate the stress of stock investing. All very valid reasons for owning bonds in your portfolio. But again, the goal of this podcast isn't just to say, what are the typical reasons people give? It's, well, what's the alternative? And what is the non-conventional wisdom? What are the alternatives that we can look at when it comes to this? Not to say this is right or wrong, but just to give you options, just to give you a different way of looking at things. So let's now go through each of these three reasons and look at what you might consider to be contrary to that. Starting with number one, decrease risk. We mentioned that many people own bonds because it decreases the risk of their portfolio. And from a certain standpoint, it absolutely does. But what this comes down to is how do you view risk? How do you view risk? Meaning what is it? What outcome is actually the most risky? Well, if it's volatility, as I mentioned, it's measured by standard deviation. If standard deviation is the way that you view risk and volatility is the way that you view risk, then yes, bonds help to do that. But I might suggest an alternative version of what risk is. What if risk is losing your purchasing power? Or what if risk is not being on track to accomplish the goals that are actually most valuable to you and the things that you value most? Well, how does that change things? Why does that matter? Here's why that matters. Well, if you have a 30-year retirement, just for example, you say you retire at 60 and you live until 90. And if inflation increases by 3% per year over the course of that retirement, what does that mean? Well, it means the cost of everything that you buy will increase by about 250% over the course of your retirement. So if it costs $100,000 today after tax for you to buy everything that you want to do, to take the trips you want to take, to still go out to eat, to buy groceries, to pay the utilities, if that costs $100,000 today, it's going to cost about $250,000 by the time that you're 90 in order to do the same exact thing, make the same purchases, buy the same goods, buy the same services, and that's the risk of inflation. Well, if you're too conservative then what you're doing is you are lowering standard deviation, you're lowering the volatility of your portfolio, but the real risk is you're losing your purchasing power each year. And if you are losing your purchasing power each year, you may be in the position where your portfolio is just not sustainable enough to last you all the way throughout the rest of your life. Now, that's not to say you should necessarily be all stocks or even mostly stocks, but it's certainly something to consider is what is real risk? If real risk is loss of purchasing power, then adding bonds to your portfolio really doesn't help you much in that department. Look at it from another perspective. What if risk to you is not being able to do everything that you value most? Well, this comes down to what are your values? Maybe your value is living a comfortable retirement and then also passing an incredible legacy on to children or grandchildren or charity of your choice. Well, if that's the case, how do bonds help that over time? You know, we mentioned that right now interest rates are next to nothing. Bonds aren't designed to grow much. They have, they have their use. They have really great cases where you can utilize them. But if you're trying to invest for your children's future and your grandchildren's future, because they're ultimately going to be the beneficiaries of the legacy that you're investing for, well, do bonds play a part in that or do bonds hurt that? Again, just looking at the alternative side of this, because bonds may not maintain your purchasing power, will not maintain your purchasing power in the same way that stocks most likely will over time. So going to owning bonds because they decrease risk, Potentially, yes, but it starts with how do you view risk? How do you frame that risk conversation, that risk decision? Because risk can mean different things based on how you look at it. Number two, we mentioned that bonds provide a diversified income, and they absolutely do. There's no doubt about that. But take a look at this. So 
let's say that you own a bond and let's assume it's a 10-year government bond. Well, what that means is you might give $10,000 to the U.S. government and they're going to pay you a fixed interest rate for the next 10 years. And then 10 years later, they're going to give you your $10,000 back. If it's a 15-year bond or 30-year bond, same exact thing. You get a fixed interest rate for a set period of time, and then you get your money back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later, depending upon the period of the bond. Well, the 10-year treasury today, so the 10-year U.S. government bond today, it is yielding, as of this recording, 0.78% per year. What does that mean? It means if you give $10,000 or if you invest $10,000 in a 10-year government bond, you will get $78 in interest for 10 years. And at the end of those 10 years, you will get your $10,000 back. Interest rates are at historic lows. And because of that, you can see that that's just not a very exciting number. That's not a whole lot of interest to get on any bond, let alone a 10-year bond, meaning your money is tied up and it's not tied up. You can always access your bond. You can always sell your bond early. But if you do keep it for that full 10 years, you get $78 per year and then you get $10,000 back at the end of that term. There's some advantages to that bond, but simply look at the S&P 500 today. You know, when you're investing in the S&P 500, if you invest in an S&P 500 index fund, you're investing the 500, 505 actually largest companies here in the U.S., your big blue chip companies. You're really well diversified across the biggest companies in the nation, really the biggest companies in the world. And if you look at the dividend yield on those companies, so not only are you getting to participate in any growth potential over the next 5, 10, 20 plus years, but the dividend yield on those companies is, as of this recording, about 1.8%. So if you invest $10,000, say in the S&P 500 for the next 10 years, well, instead of getting $78 in interest, you would get $180 per year in dividends. And now typically that increases year by year, doesn't increase every year. You know, it might actually decrease next year just because of coronavirus and some, some markdowns and some things that businesses are doing. But over time, historically, that number has actually grown as has the value of the companies that you're actually investing in. So this isn't to say bonds are bad, stocks are good. This is just to point out different approaches or different perspectives to something that people typically think about. We look at bonds as a diversified income source, diversified place to take funds from, and that's absolutely true. But look at the actual income that you're receiving. Again, don't go into that just because that's conventional wisdom and that's what people tell you to do. I'm now retired. I need to own more in bonds, less in stocks. Look at the actual income that can be received from that. Line that up with your financial plan. Understand how much income do you need to generate from your portfolio in retirement? And does that income need to be stable? Do you need growth on that income? How much income do you actually need as a relative value of your overall portfolio? So just different things to talk about because there are alternative ways of looking at this depending upon your situation. So that's number two. And then number three, we mentioned that one of the big reasons for owning bonds is that it alleviates the stress of stock investing. That's absolutely true. But you have to ask yourself, what is it you're actually investing for? You know, most people get to retirement and they just say, you know, what? I now have a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars, whatever it is. I just can't afford to lose it. And they think the larger the number, the greater the reason to to own more in bonds, to now preserve what they have. Yet that doesn't have to be the case. I've spoken with several people who have millions and millions of dollars in their retirement portfolio. They're no longer working and it is all in stocks. And they say, you know what? This was how my parents and their grandparents had it set up. And what we do is it grows and I live on the income I need to. And then it passes to the next generation because to them, they didn't value the preservation. They didn't care so much about the volatility in their stock portfolio. They knew that it was well diversified. What they really valued was creating that multi-generational wealth. 
And stocks were a great way for them to be able to do that. They said, we'd gladly take the ups and downs in exchange for the tremendous long-term growth we've gotten and expect to continue to get and then pass that to our children and then their grandchildren and so on and so forth. So yes, bonds absolutely can alleviate the stress of stock investing, but there's trade-offs to that. And the trade-off is just going to be, you probably won't get as much, you almost certainly won't get as much growth long-term on those investments. And again, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I know this probably seems like I'm bashing bonds and pro stocks, and and I do love stocks. I think think stocks can be a tremendous tool for most people, but it probably seems that way just because I think the conventional wisdom is so in favor of you're getting older, you're now into retirement, less and less and less stocks, more and more bonds. And in certain cases, in many cases, that can absolutely be true, but we want to show you other alternatives and other perspectives. So go back to what is it that's most important to you? What is it that you value most in retirement? Maybe you don't have any heirs. Maybe the stock market's ups and downs do give you a lot of just uncertainty and it doesn't feel good and it keeps you up at night. Well, then in that case, great. You're not investing for anyone except for yourself. So how do you create the most comfortable experience, the most stable income source at retirement? Maybe it does have quite a bit in bonds in it, but maybe you do have a lot of heirs. Maybe it's important to you to leave money to them, or maybe it's important to you just to keep growing your portfolio over time and you have no need to buffer the ups and downs. Well, then point number three of why owning bonds and alleviating the stress of stock investing, maybe that's not quite as applicable to you. So let's now take a look at real quick, if you are going to have a stock portfolio, what are three things you probably need to make sure that you're doing at that point? Number one, make sure that you do have enough in cash to withstand the downturns. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have an all stock portfolio, a downturn, it could take two, three, four years some time to fully recover. Meaning where the stock market is today, let's say it drops in value 30%. Well, by the time that it gets back to where we are today, that could be a couple years down the road, three years down the road, sometimes even longer. So make sure you have enough cash to withstand those downturns. The worst thing that you can do at those points is when the stock market is down, when your investments are down, to sell those funds and live on them, to sell it and lock in those losses. But if you have a larger cash reserve, maybe you have a couple years of cash set aside, maybe you have three years of cash set aside, what you can do is when those downturns are happening, you stop taking funds from your portfolio, your stock portfolio, and you start taking it from the cash. Then once the recovery has happened and you've burned through some of the cash, maybe you start taking out some funds then to replenish the amount that you have in cash. And by the way, you don't need to have enough in cash for two years of living expenses, total living expenses, really two years or three years or whatever the number is that you feel most comfortable with of living expenses that need to come from your stock portfolio. For example, if half of your income is coming in from social security and a pension, and the other half is coming from your stock portfolio, then you might want to have two to three years of living expenses from that half from your stock portfolio. So if you need 50,000 per year from your stock portfolio to supplement pension and social security, you might want to have 100 to 150,000, potentially even a little bit more in cash, just so that when that stock portfolio is down, you can access the cash, giving time for your stock portfolio to recover. Once it has, You can use dividends and excess growth from that point forward to replenish the amount that you have in cash. So that would probably be one thing that you'd want to do. Number two, you want to know that could you potentially decrease living expenses if needed and potentially just live off dividends. Going back to point number one, if the stock market is down, do you have some margin in your retirement budget to say that you can decrease expenses temporarily? Or maybe you can just live off dividends that your portfolio is still generating without having to dip into the principal. The benefit of this is over time, you know, if you can do that for the first five, 10 years of retirement, you might get to the point where your portfolio is grown enough that you can easily live off just dividends and maybe not even need that. If your portfolio is growing, 
and it's growing by more than your living expenses are growing, then you're in a unique point where it becomes easier and easier for your portfolio to generate the expenses you need for you because the portfolio base, the portfolio nest egg is growing and your expenses are representing a lesser and lesser amount of that each year. So know that if you're going to try to do this, look at your budget, see where you might have some margin to decrease expenses if needed to live off just dividends or cut expenses when there's a stock market downturn. And then number three, you have to make sure that you have the temperament to support this. Again, I mentioned number three for the reasons of owning bonds is it does help to alleviate the stress of stock investing. That is a real thing. You know, it's one thing for me to talk about in a podcast. Well, your market, your portfolio could go down 30, 40, 50%. It's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to actually go through it. I mean, if this is something that you are considering for your retirement, make sure that you really take some time to know yourself. Is this something that you could legitimately go through and go through a downturn? And we just had a chance. We just experienced this a few months back with coronavirus. The stock market fell by about a third or more over the course of five short weeks. If you saw that and you were in retirement and you say, you know what, no biggie, I know it's going to recover. It actually recovered quite quickly, but in most cases it doesn't. And if you are comfortable with that and you had the finances in place to be able to support the ability to live off the portfolio that you have, well, great. But if, if you if coronavirus happened and your portfolio was down 30, 35, 40, 40 plus percent, and you had a strong desire to make a change and you maybe even did make a change, well, then maybe having an all-stock portfolio in retirement isn't the best thing for you. And again, that's okay. I would say for most people that I see, they don't have an all-stock portfolio. The overwhelmingly majority of people don't have an all-stock portfolio in retirement. This is more just designed to see, is it doable? Is it ever advisable? In some cases, it can absolutely be a great thing for you. But in other cases, I would say it's not advisable at all. So I hope this was helpful to answer the questions is it ever advisable to have a 100% stock portfolio in retirement? I've seen plenty of cases where it's worked tremendously well, and it's generated tremendous amounts of long-term wealth and multi-generational wealth for many families. I've seen other cases where I would not advise it in the least bit. So understand yourself, understand these three points of what does risk mean to you? How do you diversify your income? And how do you protect against the emotional side of investing and the stress of investing in stocks? understanding those three components and more, but those three are the big ones that will help you to make the right decision when it comes to should you have 100% stock portfolio in retirement, or should you take the more conventional route of having a good mix of stocks and bonds and other asset classes to provide for your retirement income needs. Well, that is it for this week. I hope that was helpful and I will see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.